Those of us in the UK live in a land that is a constitutional monarchy. Charles III was crowned king yesterday, not because of elections, like we had those uh, on Thursday for the, the parish council, or because he'd been interviewed after an open selection process. But he became king because the firstborn son of the late Queen Elizabeth II. Not everyone in the UK agrees with that, as some Republican demonstrators in London made known. But that is how things are, how it's been defined in centuries-old law and in the more common, um, uh, the more recent Perth Agreement between the Commonwealth countries. Charles, on his mother's death, succeeded to the crown. How he will reign, what shape the royals will have in this new Carolean era, is not yet really known. But it's not just in bloodline, but in how he has grown up that might come his concept of service to the nation, that he may be his mother's son. Elements of this have been seen over the years in what he's done with the Prince's Trust. And it came through in yesterday's act of worship, how things were a little bit different, more open than 70 years ago. After his welcome in the name of the King of Kings, he replied in his name. And after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. And so there's an element of faith and service that we might be hoping. We are, of course, each our parents' child. Each one of us displays something of the genetic makeup that we have inherited. The color of our eyes, how straight or curly our hair is, our height and body shape are to some extent defined by who our biological parents were. Our genes may also make us more or less susceptible to certain diseases. But it is not only the biology of our birth, but the circumstances of those who raise us that has influence on our life, on our future. I speak with my accent because of where I grew up. I have lived uh, south of the Scottish border for more than half my life has not completely taken away this voice, has it? No. Those formative years, those early years of community where certain things go into our brain, shape me. 
and shape me in ways that tends to stay. I, I get stronger in this accent when I talk to others that speak likewise. Those born in poverty are more likely to suffer with poor health, not be able to attain as highly academically, not have as many doors open to their future as those of wealthy parentage. Their circumstances have had an impact. That's not to say those in poverty can't thrive or those with riches don't suffer setbacks. But it is often a much harder journey for the poor. Yet we today are not thinking of family traits, be it receding hairlines or big ears, or the geographic location, nor the financial wealth of our family, but more the trait of how we live and how we understand we are to live. And yes, some of that might be our family's learned behaviour in how we treat others and whether in that we honour God. Jesus is the Heavenly Father's Son. And when he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, he did not intend us to think he had the physical appearance of God the Father. Despite the painting of the creation of Adam on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, depicting a slightly muscular, older man with long white hair and beard and an outstretched finger pointing powerfully, God the Father has no physical appearance. Meaning paintings and idols of him cannot really be made. They are always metaphor rather than something that's real. The humanity, that humanity was made in his image and that Christ is the image of the invisible God. Shows the family traits of what is in his father's heart and what can be in ours, but often is missing due to our fallenness. And God's people of the first century should, without having seen Jesus, already have seen and known what the Father was like. They should have known the Father's heart. From Scripture, we find that the Father is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And we're actually told that over and over again. That word, maybe slightly in different order of words, appears about nine times throughout the Old Testament. From the time of Moses in the Exodus through the works of the psalmist to the time of the prophets, Nehemiah after the exile. Speaks of God being slow to anger and rich in love. God is full of love. In the days before Saul, we see something more in, in those people before the first king that were to rule. 
we see that God's preferred manner of leadership was for people that he called forth individually, judges to speak and act with his righteousness and justice. And then he expected that of the kings that he allowed to be anointed. And the people too. And the very opening at the very first page of our Bibles reveals something of God's character. The nature of God, an all-powerful God who is creative and a bringer of life and who looks at things and goes, that's good. That is good. And he delights in what he has made. And the prophet Isaiah reveals also the coming kingdom containing the good news to the poor and the binding up of the brokenhearted and freedom for captives and release from darkness for the blind, all of which reflect God's nature. This is who God is. And when the people see Jesus, it is these things that they see These are the family traits of God revealed in Scripture. So the heart of God is already known. But perhaps that's all it was. It was known as a set of words in Scripture and not truly lived out by the people. It's not their way of life. In Jesus, however, we see this heart we see these family traits being lived. When we see his heart of compassion, we therefore see the Father's heart. When we hear him speak of righteousness and justice, we hear the Father's voice. When he brings healing, we see the Father's recreating power for life. In seeing the Son, we see the Father. But as we thought the other week, through Christ, he becomes our Father too. We are his children. And so, as Jesus says, he's going to prepare a place for us. This is so that we can live together as a family into eternity. But if we are a family, and if Jesus is our brother, do we live with the family traits? When people see us, do they recognize us, not by the clothes we wear, not by a great big cross dangling round my neck, not by emblems, but in how we live, do they recognize us to be reflecting the life of Jesus? Do they see that we are members of that holy family? In the time 
of Jesus and then the early church. It was noticeable that as people became believers, they changed their ways. We might think of the tax collector Zacchaeus in Luke 19. He said he would compensate those that he had cheated. He would show forth love and justice. He was a completely different person after meeting the Lord. He'd known of the Lord. He climbed the tree to see the Lord. To see the procession go past. To see the King of Kings. But to be his citizen meant he had to do something different from what he had done before. The change in the new followers of the way immediately demonstrated to others the truth and life they had found in Jesus. They walked the talk. Can the same be said about us? Despite the coronation being an explicitly Christian event, we live in a time where less than half the population said that they were believers in Jesus in the 2021 census. But to our neighbours, to our friends, to our colleagues at work, people that we meet as we go about our daily life, to those that we encounter that are in that majority, do they see that there is something significantly different in our, different in our life? When they see us, do they see something of God? And is it an accurate reflection? As followers of Christ, may we reflect the royal Father, whose love is so great that he has adopted us to be his children. Let us come close to him. Let us read the word. Let us spend time in prayer. And let us live for him by our heart, with our words, with our actions. As we seek the coming of his kingdom in all the earth.